Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So we have another coaching session for you today. And we were kind of laughing about this episode because- um, We're laughing about ourselves. Not about the actual content, (laughs) we were laughing at ourselves. Um, So we touch on attachment styles in this episode. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that it's been uh, a topic over the last couple of years that has been super powerful to dig into more and learn about more and how helpful it's been, I think for at least all the clients I've worked with that we've talked about this. But I think we also maybe in hearing and after got a little carried away. <laughs> what do you think? I think that what was so funny for both of us, even during the session and like listening back later, was how much we both were having the same thought at the same, same time, time <laughs> looking at each other and like, eh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And I think it is because we have both found it so powerful to understand attachment styles a little bit more, understand how empowering it is to really understand attachment styles. And also, in the midst of dating, that can be a little bit of challenge sometimes to sort of differentiate and sort of pick apart like, okay, this is this person's attachment style. It's really not about me. You know, mm-hmm. um, in the moment that can be a little tough to do. And I think, yes, we were geeking out a little bit um, on that and, and just sort of, yeah, I mean, absolutely still useful to look at and think of it through that lens, I think. But also there are the feelings that are coming up around, you know, our attachment style that also need to be tended to, I think. Right. 
reality is it's your like 20, 30 minute coaching sessions. Right. But mm. in hindsight, it's like, if had we worked with her maybe for like a longer session, we would have come back around to more of the, the feeling depth part of it um, versus just like the, what we call psychoeducation, which is more like talking about the theory. Right. So. Yeah. But I do, I think it is useful, especially now, because I yes. think the way that people are dating is going to be a little different dating in the midst of Quarantine, COVID. Yeah. yeah. And so this is like, how are we meeting people? How are we really sort of showing up for what is this person showing me when it's going to be just like a different world, I think, of dating people. Totally. Enjoy guys. do a little zoom slash laser session today with Allie. Allie actually came to us originally because she was feeling kind of, I don't know, it sounds like lonely during this crazy time. And I was like, oh yes, I'm sure we can all relate to that because how the hell does one date when you're quarantined? Mm -hmm. um, so I will let you kind of give us the, the top line, Allie. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I guess some background context is that I am Semi recently divorced. Um, so I was divorced a little over a year and a few months ago, and I was with my ex for 12 years. So I, I feel like I joke that I'm an infant at dating because I don't really know how to do this dating thing. Um, and so, right, you know, in February, kind of before things got crazy, I started putting myself out there and dating. I, I went on a few dates, and then I met this guy through an app. Um, we super hit it off, um, and we had been dating about a month before kind of everything hit and you know now we're all social distancing ourselves and so we've still been talking um and I feel like things have generally been going pretty well but I just I have a hard time really controlling my feelings and kind of playing it slow playing the cool girl feeling chill about things like I, I I'm it's really difficult for me to be in this in-between place where mm -hmm. we're dating and I'm really into you and I want to jump all in, but we're not there yet. And so, and obviously the pandemic just throws a lot of wrenches into that equation too. So right. yeah. let me ask this, Sally, what does it feel like the vibe is that you're getting from him? Does he feel like he's pretty open? Do you feel pretty comfortable when you guys are connecting? Tell us a little bit more about what that's like. Yeah. So I feel like in the beginning it was, it felt very mutual. Like the first couple first three weeks it felt very mutual and then I kind of I don't know if I felt him pulling away but like a little bit and the last time we actually saw each other in person I was like hey you know I noticed that you haven't been initiating like hanging out calling texting as much and we had a conversation about it and he had said that that's something that's not surprising for him to hear I think that had been a pattern that had come up for him before and so things shifted a little bit but I, I still feel like we'll have weeks where we're more connected and then weeks where we're less connected and I'm trying to again it's hard because I want to pull back a little bit to see kind of what kind of effort he makes but then once he makes a little bit of effort then I just want to dive into it further so that's kind of where we're at and internally I'm feeling very messy about all of this. Yeah. I mean at first off I want to acknowledge that like this is rough on anybody who's dating um, this whole quarantine social distancing, but also on a very baby relationship of only a month, right? Because that's so hard. And this is that time when you guys are like, Ooh, I can't wait to see each other. And I, it's all butterflies. And then to all of a sudden have that like cut up at the knees is tough. Right. So I want to first off acknowledge that. 
what does it feel like for you? So you said there's weeks where he, um, I don't think you said tries harder, but there's weeks that he kind of shows up more and then there's weeks where he doesn't. What's the difference in those weeks? I think, I think, I feel like it's a lot, the, the difference is, I mean, I'm not totally sure, but I feel like the difference is like how much I'm initiating it. And, and he told me like, if I'm not interested, like I'm not doing it. Like, and so okay. I, I try to think about, okay, well, you know, if he picks up the phone and we talk for 45 minutes or an hour, then he's, he's interested. He's into it. He wouldn't do it if he didn't want to, but I want to have more reassurance. Like I want to know more than like assume that, Hey, you're still interested, you know? What would reassurance look like or feel like for you? I think him being more expressive about how he feels, like, I miss you, you know, like, if I say, I miss you, he'll say, you know, same, or he'll send me some emojis, or, but he doesn't often, like, verbalize that as much, and so I think if I heard it more from him, that would be more reassuring, but I'm not sure, is that something I should express to him at this point? Like, that's the, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that is important to sort of bring into the context of the conversation is that you were married for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there's a certain amount of comfort just being my complete <laughs> open self about what I'm feeling that we feel when we're married to someone that as we're back in the dating game, it's a little bit like, what are the rules as mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. out of this market for so long? So yeah, that's real. Um, and I have to catch myself because I, I noticed immediately once we start dating and really hitting it off, I, I can very easily just like go all in cause I'm used mm-hmm. to being all in. Right. And he's yeah. been, he's a little older than me and he's been single a lot. So he hasn't been in a relationship. He hasn't dated much. Um, and so he's, I think a lot more used and he has like a very full life with work and friends. And so I think he's a lot more used to kind of, he's not as used to like integrating somebody into his world in that way. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. I I'm swirling with all of these. I feel ones. like Vanessa and I are both looking at each other a little bit in this moment. Like, well, what do you think? Because, <laughs> you know, I feel like, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think and what comes up for me first, Sally. Yeah. I think what shifted a lot of how I hold this entire game of dating and, um, you know, how we fall in love with someone and decide to make a connection was reading about attachment styles Mm -hmm. and really sort of dropping, it was that, I was like, is that what you were thinking? I was thinking two things. I'm thinking, okay, let's talk about um, what your love language is. And then I was like, let's talk about how much you know about attachment styles. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I feel like understanding attachment styles helped me to sort of contextualize how a lot of times we make ourselves wrong for what is my nature and what feels like good and safe and like I'm able to drop in to really like feeling into this romance and say I have um, an anxious attachment style with someone who is an avoidant attachment style. So that means that, you know, I need a lot of connection. I need us to like be connected and just like that, like reassurance that we're good regularly and an avoidant attachment style. Um, a lot of that is going to like make them uncomfortable or they will sort of like Vanessa can speak to what, <laughs> to what that looks like. She'll speak to that in depth. Right. But a lot of times if I have a more anxious attachment style, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong for the way that I need to feel attached. It just means I need to sort of understand that as my nature and have a little bit of acceptance there. And maybe 
an avoidant attachment style may not be the best fit. That doesn't mean it's not possible that they will be, but they might not be. It's sort of how open is this person to understanding themselves and doing some work around that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, as somebody who is an avoidant and is in a relationship with an anxious and, you know, look, I mean, the thing that's interesting about attachment styles, right, is that the idea is as we continue to um, evolve and grow and work on ourselves, we move slowly towards the idea of being more securely attached, right? We can, it, it's, it's fluctuating. It doesn't, it's not, not stable, stable. What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, like stuck or, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think if you had asked me 10 years ago, I was probably full on in the avoidant and now I'm probably 50, 50, right? As is he. So to Danae's point, it's not that it can't work but it takes a lot of communication, right? So Mm -hmm. is he open and willing to have those conversations? That I think is like first and foremost, what you need to figure out because if he really is an avoidant attachment style, which to me, it's feeling internally like that's a little bit of what it is, right? We don't, I don't know, we don't know him, but Mm -hmm. that is the vibe I'm getting. Um, The avoidant, I would say, is sometimes the one that has harder time having those conversations than the anxious, right? Because for you, the words are there. What's hard is not saying them, mm-hmm. right. right? And for <laughs> but, the avoidant, yeah. a lot of times, it's actually finding the words without feeling engulfed and overwhelmed and suffocated, right? So mm-hmm. I would say, not just for myself, but for other avoidants, I know even putting words to it is tough because um, that feels really unsafe. And it's so hard for me to understand that because mm-hmm. I'm very like, I'm super... I live in my emotions and my feelings a lot Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty self-aware. And so like that just is, it's so hard for me to understand like how you cannot put words to feelings, you know? Right. And see now when you say that too, what I will say is coming from the avoidance side, the struggle. And again, we're painting this very black and white. Like this is just one kind of approach, right? And like talking to you for 10 minutes, that might be something you want to explore, but there could also obviously be more layers and depth to this. I'm sure there is. Um, But as the avoidant here, I would say, one of the hardest things or biggest things for the anxious to understand is that it's not personal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So even as you say that, like, it's so hard for me to understand. Yes, makes sense, valid, got it. He doesn't see it that way. To him, it's like, it's so hard to understand why you're so free flowing with it. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it, it, the thing about under, attachment styles I think is so beautiful is that if we can work with them, they really help us depersonalize the behavior of the other person. Mm-hmm. It is not about you, I promise. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I would say, make us not wrong for right. what my right. nature is, right? Like I need to express, I need to be in a space where I'm able to talk about the truth of what I'm feeling to my partner. You're not wrong for that either, right? right. It's just, 100%. can we meet somewhere where we're able to get on the same page with this? Is he open to that? Yeah. So Vanessa, I feel like it might be useful for you as an avoidant. And, and I do think, you know, to your point, um, it is something that is fluctuating. I think sometimes based on the person that we're dating, right? Like, I feel like there have been times in my life when I've been the more anxious because I was, was with such an avoidant person. Now, if I'm with someone who yes. has a more secure attachment style, I might tend to be a little bit more avoidant. So it's a little bit like sometimes the way that we're playing off yes. of each other. And so, I don't know, like, what do you feel like are ways to sort of bring that avoidant in? 
Well, I think there's a couple of layers here too, because the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, Ellie, was I also was going to say something about um, love languages, right? Which so many of us are familiar yeah. with, right? And yeah. so it sounds like for you, words of affirmation are one of the bigger ones, right? Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And yep. you know, what's funny is that my my anxious partner also has words of affirmation as his number yep. one, mm. which well, I'm like, this is, this is meant to be then. This is why we're talking. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if there's a correlation, but maybe I should dig into the research. <laughs> um, it's always me, perfect. There's <laughs> the room. There's a reason more like you know acts of service it's like I don't want to hear you say it I want to see you show up and do it right which again who knows if there's a correlation there but I think to Danae's point one month in one year in 10 years in who cares right if you are meant to kind of be with this person and this is your person that you're going to build something with to be able to have some of these more vulnerable conversations is going to be really important right so mm -hmm. You don't have to bulldoze them. It doesn't have to feel like that. It can be a very simple, hey, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and how it shows up for me and how I feel. And have you, you know, do you know anything about attachment styles? And just broach the conversation and see, first of all, for me as a therapist, I would be very curious to see if he's even open and willing to go there. Because mm -hmm. to me, that would be information, right? Because you've only known him for a month. So like how yeah. open and introspective is he as a person? To me, that's super important you know, mm -hmm. in a partner. And especially um, for you, because it sounds like Ellie, that is a part of your love language and what's going to turn you on. Yeah. Right. But as the avoidant, I would say, um, what's been helpful for me with my partner is, and it's a bit, it's a, it's a dance. I have to kind of go to him too. <laughs> he always uses the, um, the metaphor, the image of like holding your hand out to feed a bird. And he talks about like with me being the avoidant, it's like, you can't hold your hand out to feed the bird and then grab the bird because that bird will fly away. <laughs> you've got to let the bird come to you and sit on your hand, right? Which is so hard for a lot of people who are more expressive and feel their feelings and are open about it. Um, for me, what was really helpful with him is for him to verbalize and express when he was activated by something I said or did mm -hmm. in a very non-accusatory kind of way. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times with the avoidant attachment style, and this can go into many other layers, there's a lot of shame spiraling that goes on internally. So I am wrong, I am bad, I am wrong, I am bad. Um, there's a lot of connection there. And so when you say to somebody, I need more from you, or when you said this, it hurt my feelings, or when you did this, I'm, it's really hard for me to hear that without internally going, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So being able to say it in a way where it's like, hey, you know, I am this kind of person, and this is what I need, and I recognize it might be hard for you, but what do you think you could give me? How do you think you could show up? And making it more of a dialogue without it feeling incriminating. It's been a dance. So that's why I'm trying to offer some of the, <laughs> my learnings, I guess, over the last few years. How does that feel, Alex? That makes total yeah. sense. And I wouldn't think about framing it that way as it feels very, like, approachable. And, like, I can still communicate, but it kind of softens the playing field, I guess. Or it's, it's kind of just like a soft invite to mm -hmm. discuss. Well, and your work is going to be not taking it personally. Yeah. Right. Whether it's with him or anybody, right? I mean, again, nice point. We don't know if this is going to be your person, but it's like, you're not wrong for wanting that, but, but it's going to be depersonalizing it, right? Like if this yeah. person can't show up for me, it's not because there's something defective with me. Mm -hmm. It's because they can't show up for me in the way that I need them to. I love the fact that Vanessa sort of brought in love languages into the conversation because you guys are in the discovery phase of your relationship, yeah. right? Like we're getting to know each other. And so these are things that as I sort of am exploring some of the stuff I'm learning about myself, what do you think is true for you, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm realizing I might have a tendency to be more this way in relationships. What do you think you are? So it becomes that, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting to know each other. Let's, let's bring it a layer deeper. And, you know, if he's willing to, amazing. And if yeah. not, that, that becomes information. Right. Right. Definitely. 
Yeah. 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 I want to say too, as on the anxious side, you know, what the research that I've, I've read talks about when you are first dating, and I'd be curious to know what your experience was with this. They kind of push people who are anxious to not date just one person too quickly. Um, yeah. A lot of the researchers tend to say like, as an anxious, you should really be dating a couple people at a time so that you're not um, in that obsessive, you know, thing with one person. Um, yeah. When you first got back out there, how, how were you with the dating? Like, were you kind of, because from what I understand, it's hard for an anxious to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to do that because my therapist was also like, I get that you like this guy, but like, you should be dating other people. Like you are in a phase of like getting to know yourself and getting to know like, what is it that you like? Like you haven't, you've had one flavor. You haven't tried all the flavors. Like you've been, you know, so, um, I was trying to do that, but then all this hit and then I'm like, you know, but I was having a hard time because I was like, but I'm just interested in this person. You know, it's hard when you're super interested and it's like clicking on a lot of levels with one person to, yeah, yeah, I was trying to do that. And and I thought about for a second, trying to be on the apps and do FaceTime dates, you know, during this time, but I just, it's like, I just thought, no. But I I like him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like him. And now I'm trying to deal with the stress of, you know, everything else in life. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and one other thing I want to bring up too, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you, is what I, and we can say your point and go back to this too, is I did catch you say something about being like the cool, like being the cool girl and not being too forward. And mm-hmm. I do yeah. want to like zero in a little bit on that term because I also think that can be like really dangerous. Um, yeah. As somebody who myself, again, I'm not even this, maybe the same attachment style, but I have actually used that exact term sitting across from my therapist before too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I guess- a little bit in that vein, I was curious, you know, as you sort of have had a little bit of time to yourself um, as a single person, what do you feel like are some of the things that you've taken away, you've learned about yourself and relationships from your marriage ending? Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, small question. Like, oh. right. Synthesize, five um, minutes, what do you got? <laughs> quick, quick. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I think I'm really like the past year and a half or so and you know I've really been trying to come into my own self and get in touch with my own intuition and my own self because I was in a relationship in which that just got squashed very early on and it was just not a it wasn't a toxic situation but it was a situation which I was like slowly getting chipped away at and I was chipping away at myself and so then I was just very disconnected from myself and who I was and listening to myself so that's what I've really been focusing on a lot. And I feel like when you catch feelings for somebody, especially me, it's really easy to not dump all of that, but it's just, it's really easy for me to live in that like fantasy land of like, then focusing way too much on this person, you know? Yeah. I I love that answer. And I think that is a little bit of why I was asking the question, because I think that what I love about understanding attachment styles is that thing of that I think it can be really empowering to understand this about myself. And then I start to really do the work of paying attention to how I feel around this person, right? So if I'm starting to feel that anxiety that like I feel him pulling back a little bit and I don't like the way that feels, then that becomes information for me about what I need. And what, you know, it becomes a little bit of that thing, like, this is actually my selection process, too. So you are sort of showing me your your goods here, and I get to make the decision if this is going to be a good fit for me. Like, I can totally like this person, but that actually doesn't mean that we're going to be a great fit for one another, right? right? So it's just like, that work of like, tuning into like, 
all of this is about me knowing myself Mm -hmm. and really like unapologetically accepting that some of these things are just what I need in partnership. Right. Right. And it is like you're unconsciously coupling with somebody who's also unconsciously coupling. Like there's like um, a saying in therapy where it's like in any relationship, there's four people in the relationship. (laughs) There's the two conscious people and then there's the unconscious of both people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to Danae's point, the beauty of this is that you get an opportunity to use these experiences to discover deeper layers about yourself. Right. And for better or worse, it's like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I need. And also you can challenge yourself to grow in those areas, right? Mm -hmm. So to today's point, there is a lot of self-acceptance that comes from attachment style, but what I have experienced and learned, especially in this partnership, who by the way, it's the first anxious I've ever dated. I've always dated other avoidance, which we can only imagine how well that turned out, right? But that was so much easier for me, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The work when I'm dating somebody who's an anxious has also been for me to look at my own shit and say, yes, this is what I need and this is what he needs. And so I need to be uncomfortable right now in order to show up for him. That's what I'm deeming important right now, right? Or I need to uncomfortably put words to what I need and make him uncomfortable. Like there's a dance in that. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the growth towards um, more of a secure attachment style comes from is that like as an anxious, you push yourself out of that comfort zone and same as the avoidant, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's all like an investigation of like how willing we are to get in in there and do the work you know like is this person interested in doing that work of what it takes to make a relationship successful and continue to thrive yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think something tangible that might be helpful for you while you're in this experience is um and something i found helpful for me when you are um reaching out and you don't feel like he's you know maybe reciprocating or meeting you halfway or whatever um try to get in touch with what the emotions are that are actually coming up, right? So Mm -hmm. remember when I said earlier that sometimes I can be triggered and it goes into a shame spiral and the words that come up for me is I am wrong, I am bad. Mm -hmm. It took me a little bit of work to get to being able to verbalize that, but that's specifically what it is that comes up for me, right? That's not just like, poof, that came up for me out of nowhere. Maybe that is something tangible that you can work towards while we have all this time on our hands <laughs> to self-reflect, right? <laughs> so look inward is when that's going on with you guys, mm-hmm. getting still and getting quiet, because to your point, you are trying to build your own intuition right now. Yeah. What is coming up for me? I can feel the physical anxiety, right? You can feel the knot in the stomach, but what is the actual thought or feeling that's coming up? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want me. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. You know, all of these things that we don't, hard for us to put words to sometimes, that I think can be really juicy for you. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I love that so much, V. And I think that the reason that work is so useful right now is because we are all activated in this moment in time, like mm-hmm. all of us, right? So all of us are feeling scared and destabilized, lonely, all the stuff is coming up. All of the things that we felt at our most vulnerable times in our lives coming up. So in what ways, you know, do I need something that may not actually be about specifically connecting with him? It might Mm -hmm. be, but it might not be, right? It might be something that's a little bit older, something that all of this period of uncertainty and instability is bringing up, that it would just be nice to like, think about him, think about this person so that I don't have to sit in the discomfort of all of this that is really hard for all of us to sit in right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
You got this. I know. Not easy work. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Dating brings up so much. You know, and that's the thing. We are relational beings. And so Mm. we grow and evolve in relation to other people. We can't do it on our own, right? So whether that's romantic, whether that's friend, family, whatever, there's always an opportunity if we're willing to go deeper. And that person might be showing up just for that moment in time, just to help us get to that next layer. And then Mm. maybe that's their purpose, right? We don't know. Um, But if we look at it that way, that's what all of these collisions are about you know? Yeah. Yeah. As uncomfortable as that is. Definitely. Definitely. So much. That was, that was actually, I feel like this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people because oh, I yeah. know you are not the only person that was just about to start dating somebody and was super excited. And then it was like, poof. And now you have to be alone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Well, good. I'm glad it's, this is really helpful for me because it's been on my mind the past couple of days, like really intensely. So mm. I hope it's helpful for other people too. Yeah. If you haven't yet, um, there is that book. It's called Attached. Yes. Yeah, I have. I've, I've heard of it, but I, I haven't dug into attachment styles. So I, I'm aware of them, but this seems like a probably a good time to start doing a deeper dive into them. Yeah. Well, the and Attached reading, is right? like, it, but it's a pretty quick read. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a good and you book. Know, it's kind of cover to cover. Like you can jump around and stuff. It's, I, I found it to be, it's very like layman's terms, which is why I like it. You know, it doesn't yeah. get too heady. It just breaks it down. I always forget the name of the, there's two um, authors, but for those of you guys listening, it's called Attached and on the cover, there's a big red magnet. That's how you'll find it if you like go on Amazon or whatever. So that's my suggestion. Great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Allie. I yeah, think this is, this is a nice. really good conversation for right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, do us a favor. You have my email. Well, not my email, our email that I made for the Gmail, right? Yeah. For the podcast. So keep us posted. Yeah. Let us know how you're doing. I will. You dig in and some of this stuff comes up. I'll be super curious to see what happens. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Okay, cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, be well. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank right. you, guys. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.